Hi there, and welcome to episode 15 of Speaks Loud and Words. My name's Elliot Charles, and I'm filling in for Dave Reed this week. In this episode, I talk to Tim Laws about his career producing and writing music, including the number one hit, Dreams, uh, which was a big hit for Gabrielle in 1993, 20 years ago. As always, you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash UK and on Twitter at Warner underscore Chapel. And also check out our YouTube channel where you can see previews of episodes of Speaks Loud Than Words uh, the week before they're put up on iTunes. And that's youtube.com slash Warner Chapel Music. And Chapel is, of course, as always, spelled C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L. So, okay, let's start from the beginning, yep. music-wise. Okay. What were you brought up listening to? Um, well, my, my old man was a massive Beatles fan. Ah. So I was kind of, I think I probably know every single recording, and I've heard it a million times over the years. So, yeah, pretty much the Beatles... Um, he was never really into the Stones and stuff like that and it's only in later years that I've got into the, the Stones and stuff so I was back in the day it was Stones or Beatles really wasn't it and uh, and he, he was Beatles all the way so then it developed into things like ELO um, Thin Lizzy all of that sort of stuff so very kind of rock so place. it was quite a rock um, upbringing I guess yeah cool yeah definitely and you obviously developed your own tastes out of that were they similar tastes or did you rebel against what your parents no not to? at all i mean still one of my f- all-time bands is the beatles definitely yeah. absolutely from a creative point of view from you know um creating new sounds you know there was nothing like them before i think still to this day there there really hasn't been anyone who's changed the the game as much mm. so um yeah they're still well up there but i i developed a love for for soul music Okay. You know, sort of in in my teens, I guess. So all old school stuff, you know, um, Stevie Wonder, you know, the, the, the Motown soul Brilliant. stuff. Really, and you got to do a Stevie Wonder remix. If you, I years. did. That was that was quite amazing, actually. So well, it was Babyface and Stevie Wonder. Okay. So how did that come around? How'd that was via my manager at the time, Zed Zed Management. I was with at the time. And um, we managed to get the the remix came in, and it, it was yeah, of course we'd love to do it, you know. And we, that was back in two inch tape days, and the tape came in, and we loaded it up, and it was just that magical moment of pushing Stevie's fader up, and there he was, all on his own singing, and another fader for his harmonica, and it was incredible. Wow, really incredible. That's the kind of moment you live for as a as a producer oh absolutely and I, I think people who don't do what we do will probably go well what's he getting he wasn't in the room but he kind of was you know um, so yeah that was awesome. that was pretty amazing so at what point did you kind of when listening to music go oh you know what I could do that I could write that or I could produce that or um, was there a moment or I don't think I ever thought like that I didn't, I didn't think, you know, I, I can do it. I, I probably thought I'd love to have a go at that. Right. Um, I still don't think I can do it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, my, my old man was a musician. Oh, okay. He was a guitarist, um, not professional, but semi-professional, sort of, you know, back in the 60s, people made a living from playing covers and gigging, you know, mm. which is where he comes from. Um, so 
I learned to play, or he taught me how to play the guitar quite young. I think it was about eight or nine or something like that when I first picked it up. Mm. You know, played it for a bit and um, then went fishing for two years, then picked the guitar up again, then got into girls. And, you know, it's sort of one of those really. But I think, uh, when did I start writing? I don't know. Start knocking really dodgy tunes together I would have thought when I was about sort of 12 or 13 something like that just kind of bedroom stuff yeah yeah I've still got scraps of paper and and textbooks and stuff from school with lyrics in it oh wow they're quite hilarious but yeah I guess it it sort of started then Mm. Um, so did you go down the traditional route of you know buying your first four track recorder yeah I was I was very lucky actually because my dad my, my brother's in the industry as well and um, where well, he is now but back in the day he was he was a drummer while I was learning to play the guitar he was learning to play the drums and we had little bands and you know silly little kiddie stuff but my dad was very supportive and and my mum very um, uh, behind us and I can't remember when it was I guess it was about 13 or 14 they soundproofed the shed at the end of the garden for myself and my brother, probably because they were sick of his drumming in the house more than anything else. So getting down the garden, and then that developed into a little studio, and um, so they got us a little eight-track Tascam eight-track, I think it was, and that was the start of it really for for both me and him. Man, so, yeah. so how did you move on from that kind of stuff to? You know, writing number one hits and worst. I know that, that that's a big jump. But it, it is a big jump, and it did happen quite early in my career. I was doing back in the rave days of the sort of late eighties, early nineties, and doing uh, singles and stuff, and, and getting them signed to independent labels getting them out there you know they'd sell two or three thousand then you go and do another one so and then I got into remixing that way as well so um, that's where it started professionally and then about sort of three three four years in you know the the, the game's going up every time but then I met Gabrielle and then we we wrote that song and you know that's when it was a massive game changer yeah, well, Dreams was a huge hit. It was it was it was number number one in this country for for only two weeks. Yeah, it shifted quite a few units, and it it, it was um it was a hit all over the place. So. Yeah, but I went from working in my mum's garden shed mm. immediately to you know SSL Studios and working with the likes of people like you know Stevie Wonder and Babyface and Daryl Hall and and it, uh, you know at the age of twenty three and it was quite a a shock. Yeah, I at the imagine. time, you know. So. so, going back to that single, mm. how did that come about? How did you, you and Gabrielle? Well, it sounds it sounds a bit naff, really, but I met her when she came to my studio to to do a demo with a girl that she was in a band with. It was a little sort of duo, um, and I thought, wow, she has got an amazing voice. Mm. She's great. Oh, I wasn't so great um and uh at the time i was doing sort of clubby stuff remixy stuff and and i had a i had a backing track Mm. uh that didn't have a top line on it and she came in and i worked with her a couple of times and uh after the second time or whatever i said i've got this track would you be up for writing something on top and she said i've got a poem 
Okay. And it was as simple as that, and it went. Brilliant. It's one of those one of those moments where it all kind of comes together. Yeah, I never got it at the time, at no? all. No, I thought this this is too easy, too simple. I don't understand why everyone's getting so excited about this this song. I was thought it was very too much like a nursery rhyme. Really? Yeah, I really didn't get it. Man, so it just shows you what I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you must know something. I mean, you've done pretty well for yourself. Yeah, I think, what is it now, 20-odd years since then? In wow. fact, it's 20 years this year since Dreams was a hit, you know, was, was the number one. So, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful and mm. proud to still be in the music industry after 20 years because mm. a lot of people go by the wayside over, over that sort of length of time. So I guess I must be doing something, right? <laughs> so it becomes a massive hit and you find yourself working with Stevie Wonder. Daryl Hall mm. that must have been a real real shock yeah. to just have it change so quickly well Daryl Hall you know one of my favourite singers as well mm. and I actually worked with him in the room you know yeah. and uh, most terrifying moment of my life up to that point you know it's um, it was quite incredible to be working with your heroes mm. and um, so uh, yeah it really was a a shock to the system talk about thrown in at the deep end because you know I would I would much rather have had it a nice slow steady build rather than that bang you're in but I guess that's the way it often goes and um, if I'd only known then what I know now <laughs> also you got to work with um, the Lighthouse family mm-hmm. on pretty much every album they did yes I worked on every every album yeah how did how did that happen? How did that? Um, that was around? through. I was signed to Polygram Music at the time. Okay. Pre-Universal days. And uh, they had just been signed. They were signed to Polygram Music as well, and they'd just been signed to Polydor. Colin Barlow signed them. And um, in fact, I think Colin might might have still because he started at Polygram Music, so he may well have still been there at the time I can't remember exactly what happened but um, they put us together said you should do some writing and um, we wrote two songs for the first album of which only one actually made it to the album then that second one went on the the, the, the one that didn't go, go on that album went on the second album plus I wrote another two on that and then another couple on the third and then you know so it developed quite nicely cool so how did that relationship work writing wise was it well originally it was the three of us in the room you know okay. myself Paul Tucker and Tinde the singer um, we worked together on on the first album uh, on the tracks that went on the first album um, and then on the second I kind of became I'm really good mates with Paul and still am now you know so so our friendship took it to a different level and so I, I began began to work with him a bit more directly so um, some of the tracks on the second album that we wrote was just me and him likewise on the third so I'm, I'm currently working with him at the moment on a on a new project that that he's got oh cool that he's developing so um, yeah so sort of an, an ongoing relationship awesome so do you prefer kind of writing on your own do you prefer writing with other people always prefer um, collaborating yeah yeah always I mean I, I can write and I do write on, on occasions songs on my own um, 
but I'm less of a lyrical. I get involved with lyrics with a lyricist, okay. and I tend to let them lead and come up with the, the, the ideas, and but then I'll sort of pitch in my ideas, whereas when I've got a blank sheet of paper in front of me, and it's just me, I find it hard to kind of spark those ideas off. So more kind of musically-led melodies, harmonies, that sort of thing, mm. and then I'll pitch in on the lyrics so as and when. So you prefer to have someone to bounce bounce off, as it were? I, I prefer to, yeah. I've been, I've been doing some film and TV stuff over the last mm. few years. I'm trying to get into that a bit more. And generally, that's just instrumental stuff. So that's just me on my own. That's mm. fine, you know. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. But, um, yeah, if there's lyrics involved, I prefer to write with a lyricist because they're generally stronger and yeah. we get a better better product at the end of it. So with with the TV and film stuff, how does that differ from writing pop hits? I mean, I can I can imagine that you've got a much stricter set of parameters for well, t- film and TV. It's funny you should should say that because sometimes you have and sometimes you haven't at all. Sometimes you really let you know go with the ball, run, you know, see what happens. Um, it really depends on on who you're working with, who the producer is, who the director is, and whether they actually know what they want or not. Because sometimes they don't. But often, I mean, I think a lot of people don't actually know what they want when they're looking for music, but they're very honest about it, or they, they, they seem to be, you know, and uh, and they'll say, well, you know, I love what you did on that show, so give us something like that. Okay, so... so but it, but the, the, the main difference is timings. You see, if you're working to picture, your piece of music has to be exactly that length, you know, if they want it from there to there. So that's... I guess creatively, the, the the pen that you're in is is um, you've only got that much that much time. Whereas with a pop record, it could be three minutes long. It could you know even be four minutes long. It doesn't really matter. You get to work to the specifications that the song presents itself with. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Rather than having to fit it to another medium. That's right, and uh, it sort of makes creatively it makes me work in a very different way, and I, uh, I really enjoy it. And it, like I say, it's only in the last few years that I've been trying to get into it. Um, and uh, it's good. I love it. There's a real good balance between writing songs and that, you know. So I want to continue doing both for sure. Cool. So what, what shows or films have you, you done music for? Um, what have I done? Nothing particularly glamorous. I worked on The Bill on Channel 4 <laughs> just before it finished. It's probably my fault that it finished as well. Um, I, I was working with a, they had so many producers down there but I worked with a couple of the producers about trying to get music into it uh, and as much as I didn't think it was the right thing to do for that show because it had been on the TV for 20 years without any music and then they wanted to reinvent it and make it a little bit more American I guess but um, it was brilliant because it's what I want to get into is drama and eventually film would be fantastic um, so it was good to work on that level. But since then, I've done all sorts of things. I've done little theme tunes and stuff and done some kids stuff. I wrote, uh, I am proud of it, but it does sound a bit cheesy, uh, the Horrid Henry theme tune. Oh, wow. I did that. I've been working with the BBC on a, a, a kids show called Sadie J. It's the third third season that we've done, um, which is a, a pretty successful thing um, in the kids' world. Uh what else have I done? I did the theme tune for embarrassing illnesses and bodies, and so that's been a that's been a nice little learner. That's 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 a good little one. Yeah, yeah that, that shows on all the time. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
Yeah, it's all good, you know. Cool. It's all stepping stones. <laughs> so what have you been working on recently, aside from the TV, the TV stuff? Um, this year, what have I done? Um, I've been to Germany. I was in Germany for a few weeks producing an EP for a, a guy over there called Jan Sievers. Okay. A singer-songwriter. Um, I met him at a writing camp in Berlin a couple of years ago and um, he's been over a few times we've written a few more songs and so he asked me to produce that he was just about to go out on tour his new album's not going to be out until sort of this time next year so he wanted something new to give give the fans so we did a little four track EP which was great fun um, and is that uh, in, in German then or yeah he's he's a, Ger- a German speaking artist so okay. um, so I'm not much cop when it comes to you know the, the writing of the lyrics. You obviously. can't make any lyrical suggestions. Not really. No. I mean, I do, I do understand a tiny weeny bit of German because okay. I did it at school, but it's, it's very basic. Like, where is my dog, and stuff like that. How do <laughs> I how do I find theory? the castle? <laughs> Which is not really helpful in the studio. No. Um, so uh, yeah, I've been doing that, and we are currently writing new stuff for his album. Great. Um, and I've been asked to produce that album as well, which we'll, we'll probably get in the studio in, in the autumn. Cool. I think so. That's a good little one. Um, working with Paul Tucker from Light, Lighthouse Family, as we said, mm-hmm. on this new little project, which is a little bit top secret at the moment, but very good, very exciting sort of research, female artist, um, Rita Ora meets Adele with a kind of, you know, sort of big pop songs if you can imagine what Lighthouse Family did with those big sort of anthemic songs but with a bit more of an urban flavour to it so that's quite exciting that sounds interesting yeah it's quite early days on that one yet but um, could be good working uh, with a new uh, a manager who looks after my film and TV stuff Mm. specifically that a guy called Olaf Wiper um, and his company's called um, SMA Talent and we've been sort of just looking at my show reel and looking at what I've done and what I need to be doing and the sort of holes in it so I've been he's been writing some briefs for that and I've, I've been write, writing pieces for it cool which is um, which is great you know. um, so I think we're nearly there on that so that, that's going to be launched pretty soon great um, what else there was something else, and I did write it down, but I can't remember now. <laughs> oh, I'd, I wrote the uh, brand new Heavy's new single as well. Oh, so, wow. Um, so that's, I think that's out at the moment, or just about to come out. Cool. I knew there was something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, keep yeah. yourself busy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. So, so you, you mentioned your production work. Yeah. Do you find that songwriting and production go hand in hand for you, or do you do, you do the two separately more? does yeah does production writing go hand in hand i think it does much more these days Mm. um you know going back a few years you could get away with a with a rougher demo uh, demo song so you could write it on a guitar and a vocal and kind of get get away with it a bit more i think i think ears are now you know a&r these days want to hear a more kind of finished record in the demo um, so there's less imagination involved. Um, whereas I think back a few years, certainly when I started, you had a bit more leeway and you could do a piano demo, you know, with a vocal and a piano. So the production didn't really get involved at that point. Um, 
so but yeah i think it is it's really important now to to present your stuff as as the record really okay if so you can you aim for more of a, a finished product yeah and, yeah, yeah so. not to make you feel old but as you I am old oh, I'm quite know. happy to be old yeah, fair enough there's nothing wrong with it is there well it gets me out playing football with the kids <laughs> <laughs> but you you've been doing this for over 20 years now uh, how has how has it all changed I mean have you seen well the music industry obviously has changed a, yeah. a huge amount mm. in the last 10 years let alone the last 20 but how is your role in it kind of evolved from how it was in 1993 I don't think it has vastly okay if, I, if I'm honest uh, I think apart from you know as we've just said uh, record companies expect when they hear demos to mm. kind of hear the finished product I think obviously equipment has changed incredibly and now you know you can have a laptop with Logic or Pro Tools or something like that on it, and you can make records on a laptop. Whereas when I started, you know, you needed to invest two or three hundred thousand pounds in equipment and a, a room to put it all in in order to make the right noises to to make a record. So, so that part of it's changed. Um, I think from a, a, a songwriter producer point of view, it's in, it's a hell of a lot more competitive now. Than it was. I think there there used to be far more opportunities because there were more artists signed, mm. um, so there was sort of more work for more people. Well, in fact, there seemed seemed to be less writer producers then than there are now. Everyone and their dogs are a record producer now, simply because of the the equipment. I think you know yeah. you get GarageBand on on your laptop and you can knock together a few loops and and all of a sudden people think they're a producer. But um, so that 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 has changed the game. But I think nowadays, I think a lot of record companies are looking to writer-producers to find the new talent or find some of the new talent and, you know, to develop artists longer before they've even got a deal. And they do a lot of that early sort of work and then, then they get the deal and then the record comes out, you know. Whereas back in the day, it's sort of the other way around. We'd get a phone call, oh, we've just signed this new artist. We don't know what to do with them. Can you can you do a few days with them and and see what happens? You know. Yeah. So. so that discovering of new talent thing is that part of it that you take an active active role in? I've al I've always done it over the years. Really, um, I quite in quite enjoy it and I'm quite excited about it. Mm. You know, some things have paid off in the past and some things haven't. You know, I'd, I'd like to think I was quite involved in in Gab's kind of career early on and and getting that going and. Uh, um, I've done other things over the years um, that in, in a similar sort of way, you know, not quite to that success level, but been involved with it. And it's certainly something that I would look to do in the future. So know. how how do you go about doing it? Do you trawl through blogs online looking for new artists? No, I don't. I mean, I don't. I think that the harder, the harder you look, the less you see, I think. Mm. I'd, I've always kind of bumped into people or, you know, done a co-write with, someone and thought wow you're great or you know like with with Gabrielle she came into the studio mm. to record a demo um so yeah I don't I don't tend to actively look for it but if if things come along then um you know and I think they're good I, I will get involved yeah cool great well thank you very much for for coming in and, and talking to us Tim really very appreciate welcome. it cheers thanks So there you go, that's the Tim Laws interview. 
I think one of the things I take away from that interview is just how uncertain the music industry can be. Tim not really realising the hit he had on his hands when he uh, he co-wrote and produced Dreams. Just goes to show that you can never really tell what's going to be a hit single. And also how challenging yourself creatively and uh, trying new things is important. As Tim was saying with the uh, with the TV work that he does, how the parameters and the different types of work can make you look at what you do in a different way and help you evolve creatively. Dave will be back next episode, so until then, take care.